So welcome back to another episode of History Talks with History Buff 1836. And this video, I mean this podcast, was supposed to be like a long time ago, but he didn't just have things come up and other things pop up and stuff. And also I was wanting this to be a really good podcast since it's actually talking about the battles. But once I got done typing war for the warfare, Came out to like eight minutes, and I was like, "Okay, now we find I'll talk about battles after this." But then when I started talking more and more and more about the battles, I was like, "This is going to be a long episode. I need to split it into two. So that's what we're doing today. So today we're only talking about warfare, but at the end of this video, there is going to be a sneak peek of next week's video, and that's going to be the the battles, like. The battle name and the tie and then the dates. So let's get into this. This is History Talks with History Buff 1836, a podcast about World War One. Here's your host, History Buff 1836. First up is War in the Air. When war first broke out in August of 1914, the idea of, of empowered flight planes in general were only 10 years old. World War I wasn't the first war with planes. During the Italian-Turkish War of 1911, they had some brief warfare with planes. During that time, the planes were mainly for civilian use. The first planes in the war was used as spies looking down on the enemy's lines to help better their gunfire, to help direct their gunfire. This created fighting in the sky when enemy pilots tried to shoot down their other pilots spying on their army. This was called dogfights. Between highly skilled and brave aces, with all these dogfights in the air, produced way much uh, so with all the dogfights in the air produced way much sturdier aircrafts capable of carrying bombs to drop on the enemies. By the end of the war, aircrafts were minor, were the minor help to major help. Went from minor help to major help, sorry. Hence why we have Air Force's ranches now in most countries. In 1917, the Germans had introduced Junkers, Junkers J-1. That plane was equipped with three machine guns, a bomb load. Also, the J Junkers J-1 was the first world all-metal plane by the first specifically designed for ground attacks and infantry close support. By September 1915, a little more than a year after the war had started, the last of planes on the Western Front of the lot, sorry, the loss of planes on the Western Front totaled 37, but the war in the air got even more worse by August 1918. The combined total was 832 planes. All throughout World War I, Germany produced more than 47,637 planes of the 150 different types. Their ally produced 138,685 planes. The numbering would make Germans outnumbered 2 to 1 in the air. So, 
Basically, two enemies, one German point in the air. That's outnumbered. Next up is War on the Sea, aka Submarines U-Boats. Ever since the British launched the Dreadnought in 1906, during that time, Britain and France, Germany, and many other countries started in an intense process of building a naval power. In World War One, both sides tried to tried hard to keep the war on land. British really needed to keep the seas open for merchant ships, bringing in and bringing in food and other supplies to Britain in the infantry to keep German Germany away from receiving those supplies. And there was only one major battle at the sea. It was Dan. As in the Danish, she is called the Battle of Jutland. More about this in the next episode. The main fight in the seas took place under the sea. German U-boats made a damaging war against their allied merchant and military ships in order to get Britain out of the war. Being called U-boats, who those, when those allied countries found out that the Germans and their U-boats, they started to develop more modern-day submarines. This would prove a greater tactic during World War II because it would be more developed. German wasn't the first under-the-sea boats. Britain had period attempts called ASDIC and did not result in great results. Oh, it did not result in getting them deployed. The problem with the U-boats was it only lasted six war patrols. And during the war... The war, the Germans built around 344 boats, losing over 150 of them. Right before the end of this war, the average flat deck aircraft carrier boat was launched and used as service into the military. So, uh, real quick, flat deck aircraft carrier boats are the big old boats you see with airplanes on it and it has a runway and you, they can launch military planes off of it. Here's a couple pictures of them if you're watching that video podcast. If you're just listening to audio only, Go check out the uh, video. The link will be in the description. With improvements in the air and the sea, they needed to improve the, their military load. No. They needed to improve their artillery on land. That's exactly what they did with the, large, the usage of tanks at work. The British invented the tank and became a major mechanical in- innovation of war. Those British tanks saw a battle on September 1916, and those tanks were at early stages. Like the early access of apps for new software, those tanks were not really reliable. Tanks first saw the first battle with Simon, Som, Som. I'll pronounce it correctly in the next episode, I promise. On September 15, 1916. France first used tanks on April 16, 1917, and those resulted in bad results. They, they, they blamed those bad results on the poor t- terrain, 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 whatever, you, however you pronounce it. I pronounce it terrain. If you have a problem with me, leave. just leave. During the Battle of Cambrai in November 1917, when they real realized the full potential of tanks. During that war, German defense was so strong and bombardment had destroyed the ground, it soon made it impossible for the military to cross. They used the tanks to cross over trenches and holes caused by bombardments. 
also using them as shields to protect against the mal to get to protect the military. Germans soon constructed the 13mm anti-tank rifle requiring two people to use it. Here's a picture of it if you're watching the video. Germans used tanks uh, supporting the infantry and their goals and our missions. Tanks, planes, and submarines was not the only military warfare advance during the World War I era. Gas and chemical warfare became more advancement in World War I and World War II. But for this podcast, we're focused on World War I, hence the name World War I. The first sight of using chemical gas was April 22, 1915. The French Algerian troops near Yapres, 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 saw the greenish-yellowish cloud moving toward them. That was coming from the German front. That cloud they saw was chlorine gas. Chlorine gas. This was the first effective use of chemical such poisonous gas in the war. At this time. The other infantry did not have protection on them. Over the next few years, the Germans would use over 75,000 tons. The British and French both used 56,000 tons. At the first shot gas from they first shot gas from canisters and and used the wind to blow that gas toward the enemies. One problem was with using the wind was wind is unreliable. The wind direction can change and put the gas on them, or there could be no wind at the day that they planned on using the gas. Due to a more effective way that using way using poisonous gas was to kill more enemies on what was a gas filled bullet shells. So you know they would shoot it and then the gas would fall out and kill them. In total at the end of the war, a total of one million two hundred thousand soldiers were gassed. And an estimation of ninety one thousand to 486,000 were killed. If you break that data down, according to the military encyclopedia, link in the show notes, had, okay, Germany had 107,000, Britain had 186,000, United States had 73,000, and France had 130,000. And some of that data is an estimation. Chlorine glass is extremely harmful. But before the Germans used chlorine gas, the French shot tear gas at the Germans. And tear gas proved to be very ineffective. Tear gas is not as poisonous as much as chlorine gas. Tear gas will only cause severe respiratory irritation. You know, because that's the place to use it in riots and stuff like that. Well, chlorine gas is, chlorine gas is different than chlorine chemical that you use to clean your pools within that filtration of water. That's a whole bunch of sciencey stuff. Alright, so time to talk about communications during the war. Communication was vital for every war, and getting supplies to the front lines was more vital. There was problems during War One with communications. The problem was that there there was no real-time communication at the time. During the time frame, the radio didn't exist, so they couldn't pick up their cell phone and go, yo, we need more bullets. You know, they didn't go like that. And this left the militaries left with Morse code and, and landline. Telephones were already developed, but with the phones having to require wires, and it made it 
where the military commander is running it to another problem. Was there a bombardment? Those lines would break because they were easily breakable. The Navy would run into problems of long-distance communications without being interrupted uh, and intercepted with other militaries. Toward the middle and end, the radio end of this war, the radio started to be developed. All right. So, real quick before we go, I'm going to list the name of the battles in the time frame, and and then next episode we're going to go, we're going to dive deep into them, discuss what happened, what, how in it, and a majority of them, how it affected the others. So, first battle of World War I happened during August 26th and August 30th, 1914. It was the Battle of Tanberg. August 30th, 1914 wasn't really a battle, but it was an attack that led away from many more battles. On that day, German, Germany attacked Paris with acid and rain. September 5th, 1914, and September 9th, 1914, was the first Battle of Marne. After the Battle of Marne, the Battle of Ypres, and then a lot happened, but no real battles, until the second Battle of Ypres was April 22nd through April, May 25th, night. 1915. On May 7th, 1915, there was an attack on U-boats out at sea. On February, in February, the Battle of Gaddafi started. Major continued, but there was no official battles at that time. June 24th, 1916, Battle of Simone. Oh wait, I skipped one. Sorry. February 21st, 1916, was Battle of Verdun. On May 31st, 1916, Battle of Jutland takes place. June 24th, 1916, Battle of Samoan begins. July 31st, 1917 through July, November 10th, 1917, the third Battle of the Ypres started. July 18th, 1918 through August 5th, 1918, Marne Mar Offensive took place. September 12th, 1918 till September 16th, 1918, Offensive St. Malone took place. And then the Meuse Oregon Offensive, I think I pronounced that right. Went underway on September 16th, 26th, sorry, September 26th, 1918, and that was the Meuse Argonne Offensive. So that's all the major, that's all the battles, not including the minor attacks. But we're going to talk about that in the next episode when we dive deep into the battles of World War One. Without further ado, peace. This has been History Talks with History Buff 1836. Thank you for listening, man. Until next time.